Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Joining us on the Trocare College live line this morning, ABC News political director Rick Klein. As we look at the week in politics, Rick, thanks for being with us. All right. Uh, Last night we had a, a debate that I feel like was much talked about until it came time for the actual debate, Rick. Uh, Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom, right? Like these two were so in the headlines maybe six months ago and when they were deciding to debate. I feel like when it actually happened, though, it's more of a fizzle than uh, any sort of big bang. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I was waiting to see the, 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 the place come alive and really become electric with the energy that they uh, that they are, are known for, but it didn't. It didn't really happen. I mean, look. I, in some ways, you could look at this as a as a preview, uh, but it's not a preview of 2024. It's clear that uh, that, uh, that that only one of them is even running for president. And as and as uh, Newsom said, uh, he thinks that they share in, in, in common that either of them is going to be the nominee. Uh, but it, but I think some of the ideas uh, and the vision that they outlined is sort of interesting in the in the broader context of. Uh, of the divisions that we've seen uh, animate so much of politics. But I agree, it didn't, it didn't really live up to the milling. Was this the 2024 campaign that could have been? Is that how people are looking at it, too? Yeah, or, or, that, or maybe the 2028 campaign that still might be. Uh, you know, there's, there is a world where Joe Biden steps aside um, and, and Donald Trump steps aside and, or, or the voters reject them for younger, for younger uh, politicians. And, and Newsom and and DeSantis are obviously at the top of the pack of people you take seriously. But until or unless um, either one of those men get out of the way, uh, Trump or Biden, clearly they are they're very much likely to be the nominees. So it's hard to see how you how you change those dynamics. And I think that's that's what we saw last night. And, you know, a lot of it also was was just the format and the forum. I mean, this was very much Sean Hannity's debate. He's the one that booked it. He's the one that asked the questions. And it was clear he was coming from his point of view. Is Gavin Newsom positioning himself to be kind of like the escape hatch or the, uh, you know, in case of emergency, break glass f- person for the Democratic Party for next year. Because, I, I mean, in the event that something were to happen with the president's health, which is not, you know, a crazy thing to wonder about, he, he seems to kind of be there in the wings like saying, hey, you know, I... I'm an option. I don't want to run against the president, but uh, I'm an option if you need me. Yeah, I, for, you know, for next year, I, yeah, I, I guess it's possible that um, that we could be talking about needing that backup option, although he's made clear that Kamala Harris should be that backup option long before he gets there. 
uh, I think more than that, though, it's an eye toward what's beyond. I mean, if, if Biden wins again or if he doesn't, there's going to be an opening on the Democratic side. And I think you could see how loyal Newsom wants to be and is seeking to be in everything he's saying and doing. And, and I think clearly he's trying to signal, you know, I've, I've been the good soldier. So be there for me if you, you know, if, if I need you down the road. That to me is the is the real crux of what he's of how he's trying to position himself. Uh, and it may or may not work, but but he has decided to be someone who very much reads from the, the playbook that uh, has been handed to him and hopes that uh, that voters respond. New York Representative George Santos. Is it a foregone conclusion that he'll be expelled or is there some doubt about this today? There's some doubt, but, I, you know, I think minimal doubt. I, I you know, look, there, there are very few people that think he should be a, 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 still a member of Congress. There are some members in his own party on the Republican side who are saying that he deserves to have a, a day in court. Uh, but I think that was undercut by the fact that the Ethics Committee report, which was such a damning uh, report that found new information about fresh lies that weren't even previously reported. I don't know how you defend that conduct other than to say you got to wait it out. But there's some question as to whether I think you need about 70 Republicans to join with the Democrats today. There's some question as to whether uh, those th- those votes are going to be there. Um, and as wild as it as it may seem, it's at least hypothetically possible that uh, the George Santos serves another day. But I, I, I'd be surprised. I think this is probably the end of the line for Mr. Santos. All that's been said about, you know, all from day one, right? It might have actually been before day one on George Santos. All the things that he's done, and uh, even if you take the crimes out of it, uh, just the outlandishness might be enough for some people. But does he have a point uh, here about uh, expulsion without conviction and setting this precedent? I mean, it's easy for just about everybody to look at this guy and say, yeah, get him out. But I, is there something there to his argument? Yeah, on a process ground, sure. Uh, you know, innocents are proven guilty in this country. I think the thing that hurts him the most on that, though, is that he came into office with this cloud. These weren't fresh things. Everyone knows the justice system is going to take a long time. And since then, things have only gotten worse. And he's now been, been accused credibly by the Republican-led ethics committee of obstructing their own investigation and of further potential crimes that weren't even found before and abusing his office. So I feel like things have kind of moved so fast on that front that it's very hard to maintain the credibility. And the members of Congress want to say this is someone that they think deserves to be in the House of Representatives. It's a very high bar. No one has ever been thrown out for anything other than uh, defying uh, a conviction or being part of the Confederacy. So five times, I think, in the history of the United States. But I, this, this does seem, though, like a different level than anything I've ever seen. And I think that's probably why you're going to see the results uh, that we're discussing today. Rick, what do you make of the New York Times report that says Israel knew of the Hamas attack plan that was carried out on October 7th more than a year ago, but dismissed it? Yeah, it, it's it's stunning. I mean, we've seen hints of this, particularly in the Israeli media for the last uh, couple of weeks. But this is the, the most you know clearly established uh, uh, episode that we're uh, that we've learned about that we're aware of. And you know, it's obviously extraordinarily troubling, and I think the Netanyahu government is going to have to explain, you know, how this happened, how this happened on their on their watch. And it complicates things in another direction because we're seeing pressure on the Israelis grow to account for humanitarian needs in Gaza, to 
uh, make sure that they're minimizing civilian casualties. So knowing that this, you know, was on the horizon is an inexcusable security lapse, and it has, you know, helped contribute to this awful moment of uh, of extreme uncertainty and extreme per- uh, extreme peril. Why is all that pressure on Israel? Uh, you know, they are in a war. They were attacked with one of the worst terror attacks we've seen in modern history. And yet it seems to be only on them to ensure that in a war, you know, no one's harmed who shouldn't be. No, I don't think that's the bar. I mean, I, and I think the Americans have made that clear. The Biden administration has given a lot of leeway to, to, the, to the Israelis. But, you know, just because you, you aren't trying to kill people, uh, civilians, doesn't mean that you're not. And the way that wars are conducted in the 21st century, uh, even with the most righteous of aims, does not allow for uh, permit indiscriminate killing of civilians. And and look, the terrorist attacks are awful, but I don't think anyone would say that gives license for Israel to do whatever it wants, whenever it wants, and uh, the, the whatever the civilian casualties. As for why it's only on them, there's, one of the frustrations in all of this is that there is no entity really on the other side other than Hamas, which is a terrorist organization. They're committed to wiping them off uh, Israel off the map. Uh, the Palestinian Authority doesn't really have much authority, uh, and there, there aren't other uh, entities that, that you can really bring to the table. So, yes, it is, it is one-sided in terms of it, but I think it's very much within the realm of international law and, and basic standards to expect that you're going to minimize civilian casualties. Rick, thank you. That's ABC News political director Rick Klein. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.